0: Our Old Testament lesson this week is Isaiah 7, verses 10 through 17, which can be found on page 1071 in your pew Bibles. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and God, we ask that you would help us this morning to hear your word, to hear your word and not to take it for granted, not to take it lightly to hear your word um, that was written for our benefit. Now that we would come to know you better, that we would come to love and trust you more in everything and always. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Isaiah chapter 7, starting in verse 10. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and on your people and on the house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. That sure doesn't sound like good news, does it? Our New Testament lesson from 1 John chapter 4. verses 7 through 21, which will be found on page 1652 in your pew Bibles. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God but that, God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. A few weeks ago, we were looking at uh, Zechariah in the temple where he was visited by an angel. And I told you a story about my own childhood back when I was in seventh grade and had a glorious mullet. If, if you were here that week, I'm sure you remember and have been able to picture nothing else <laughs> since then. But I had the mullet and it got um, removed. <laughs> It got removed as a part of my punishment for, um, for both not turning in my homework and then lying to my mom about it. And she had told me at the time that this is what was going to happen and I didn't believe her. And the point that I was making that day is that whether I believed her or not, that was what was going to happen. And so we talked about Zechariah in the temple and how whether he believed God or not, that's what Gabriel was saying to him is, believe it or not, this is what is going to happen. And, uh, the way that Luke tells the story, he talks about Zechariah first and Gabriel coming to him and saying, this is what is going to happen. And then we spent the last two weeks looking at Mary, the angel coming to her and her response. And when she goes and visits Elizabeth and the response there and how she overflows with praise. And then now we come back to Zechariah. Now, why haven't we heard from Zechariah since the temple? Because nobody's heard from Zechariah since the temple. That was part of the thing. He said, uh, this is in Luke chapter 1, and uh, Gabriel says, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their point of time. That seems weird, though, doesn't it? That Zechariah is now not able to talk for nine months. Does it seem like kind of just an arbitrary punishment? Seem like a weird punishment? Does it seem out of line? Or does it seem perfectly fitting and appropriate? Actually? That's not our place to say. This is what God has decided is going to happen for Zechariah. And when you look at the result, the end result, that's where we know, oh, I think God knows what he's doing. God has given Zechariah something to respond to. He has given him a message. And he has now given him a discipline that also acts as a sign. That every time Zechariah forgets and opens his mouth to speak and nothing comes out, he's reminded again. He's reminded again of the promise that God has made and the power that God has to do what he said he's going to do. This is something Zechariah gets to consider every day, every moment for nine months. I don't know if you've ever been put in timeout before. (laughs) But typically, with any sort of uh, discipline, you have two options. You have two options as how you respond to the discipline. One is you can respond well. It can humble you. It can break you down to where you say, you know what, I should not have done what I did. Given the chance to do it over, I would do it differently. That is always what should be uh, the intention for the discipline, is to bring you to that place where you say, I would not do that again if, that, if I were doing it again. However, you do have another option when being disciplined, and we're probably all familiar with this option, and that is the hardening of the heart that just gets mad about the discipline, that gets mad about the situation, that gets mad that not that I did it, but that I got caught. I get mad that the person who's punishing me is doing it the way that they're doing it. I get mad about all the things. And so instead of it changing me at all, it just hardens me. And I say, you know what? If I were in that situation again, yeah, I'd do that again. But this time I'd do it where I wouldn't get caught. Or yeah, I'd do that again, but this time I'd do it where... And so it hardens us. This is what we see, by the way, in uh, Egypt with Pharaoh. You remember that? That Moses comes and gives him one sign after another, after another, and the plagues that start falling on all the people of Egypt, and people are suffering because Pharaoh refuses to let the people go, just as God has said. And does Pharaoh soften? Does this soften his heart? Does it break him down? Does he get to the point where he says, you know what? If Moses comes back and says, let my people go, next time I'm going to do it. No. He hardens his heart all the way through. Now, at the very end, he finally does let them go, but not because his heart is softened. He just had enough. And so the discipline that was being applied there for Pharaoh, it hardens him. And we all have that choice. For Zechariah, to hear what happens. Here we are nine months later, nine months after considering day by day what God has said to him through the angel Gabriel, nine months of silence on his part. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is John. Immediately, his mouth was opened, and his tongue set free. And he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe, and, all, and throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it. Asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. And we're going to hear what exactly Zechariah said in praise to God. But I want you to first just to hear that that is what happened. That when the child is born, when it comes time to name the child, and there's a bit of controversy amongst the family as to what the child's name is going to be. And they all turn to Zechariah, all eyes on him. Now is where we finally get to see how is Zechariah going to respond to this nine months of silence. Elizabeth had answered by saying, um, he is to be called John. That works. But that's not what Zechariah says. Did you notice the difference? She says uh, that he is... He is to be called John. Zechariah declares his name is John. It's not just that we're going to call him that, but this is his name. And it's not that Zechariah is the one who's giving him the name. Zechariah is almost declaring it as though the name had already been given. But it had. If you remember back when Gabriel appeared to him in the temple, This is in verse 13, Verse it says, Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He's been named, and not by his parents. God has named this child through the angel Gabriel. So when it comes time for Zechariah, uh, all eyes turn to him. What are we going to name this boy? Are we going to follow family custom? Are we going to follow the traditions of our elders? Are we going to follow the ways of the world? And he says, emphatically, actually writes emphatically, he's already been named. He already has a name, and that's what we're going with. We're going with what God has said. So, has Zechariah learned his lesson? Has he benefited from this time of silence? Has he benefited from the discipline? That instead of hardening him, has softened him? I think so. To the point that then when it says, then his, I love the way that it says it. It just doesn't say then, and then he starts talking again. But immediately his mouth was open and his tongue set free. Isn't that a great image? Like the gates swinging open and the animal running forth. <laughs> his mouth is open and his tongue is set free. <laughs> Just that the words start flowing and pouring out of him. And what starts flowing and pouring out of him is really interesting when you consider what Jesus says about how the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Or another translation, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when his mouth is open and his tongue is set free, what is it that starts pouring forth from his heart? Is it the bitterness and anger over the unfair treatment he's had for the last nine months? Everybody else gets to talk. How come I don't get to talk? It's not fair. That's not what comes out at all. He has not been able to speak for the last nine months, and when finally his mouth is open and his tongue is set free, what starts pouring forth from his heart is praises to God. So, Uh, verses, we're going to hear this starting in verse 68, but first, verse 67, his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And we talked about this last week, how we see the whole family, how uh, Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit and starts pointing people to Jesus. That uh, John the Baptist, even before he's born, is filled with the Holy Spirit and starts pointing people to Jesus even before he's born. We saw that last week. And now here we have Zechariah to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And then turning his attention to his son, his newborn son. It says, verse 76, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And a child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the wilderness until he appeared publicly to Israel. So what is it that's pouring forth from Zechariah's heart? It's praises to God. And we see that for the past nine months, apparently he hasn't been um, just going over and over again. Poor me, woe is me, I can't speak. But what he's been going over and over again, every time he opens his mouth and nothing comes out, is God is doing what he said he was going to do. God is doing what he said he was going to do by me not being able to speak. My wife has a belly that is, continues to get larger. <laughs> and we are feeling the movement of John the Baptist. He doesn't know is that John the Baptist yet, but you know, we're feeling the movement of this baby as he continues to grow and develop. God is doing what he said he was going to do. And he remembers what Gabriel said to him, that this is not just uh, you're going to have a baby. This is a connection with the promises that God has made from long ago, this is what he is able to reflect on for nine months. Instead of, woe is me, poor me, (laughs) how pitiful is my situation, but instead it's how great is our God. How great is our God who is actually doing what he said he was going to do. And the promises that he made all the way back to Abraham, he's fulfilling those. And I'm getting to see ways in which he's fulfilling those. And that gives him a confidence moving forward in all of it. And so he praises uh, God for these things. And one of the things in there I want to point out, We'll go first where he says to baby John. Where he goes ahead and talks to this uh, baby. And if you've ever been in a situation where you've held your new child and you kind of do have this picturing forward of what, you know, I wonder what it's going to be for you. What do the years ahead have in store for you? And you kind of have all these dreams and some of those may happen and many may not. And we don't ever know. But he does. How neat would that be? That he knows what is coming for this child because of what the angel had already spoken to him. And now, instead of just wondering, he's able to celebrate, even from eight days old, this is who you're going to be. This is what you're going to do. You have a role in the kingdom of God and I can't wait to see it all unfold. So there's that. Which does make me wonder how much in our dreaming for our own kids we're looking forward to the ways that they have a role in the kingdom of God and how he will unfold his plans in their lives in that direction but where I want to end in fact one of the things he said he's connected everything he's praising God for to to David to Abraham uh, all the promises God has made but one of the things he says verse um, 74 and 75 to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Do you remember the first thing the angel said to to Zechariah when he showed up in the temple? The very first thing he said? It's a usual thing that angels tend to say when they show up. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. When the angel shows up and we see Zechariah in the presence of this holy being, he has every every right, every reasonable expectation that well, this is the end of me. But the angel says, "Do not be afraid." And then with what comes forward from there, it's, yeah, God knows you. He knows your situation. And he is working in your life and the life of your wife and your family. He is working. And with Zechariah not believing it, there does come the discipline. But it's even in that. I think Zechariah sees the care, ah, Come on, I had it pulled up. Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, uh, verse 10. Speaking of discipline. Talking about human fathers disciplining us. And as human fathers, we do that the best we can. And we make all kinds of mistakes. But his point is, God doesn't make mistakes in this. And in fact, he says, um, you know, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. This is what Zechariah experienced. Was God training him through the discipline he experienced? And he also understood it in the context that John talks about what we read earlier. um, Where he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. What Zechariah experienced was not an arbitrary punishment. He experienced a discipline that was fitting and that was helpful in training him, in directing his thoughts, in directing his uh, praise to God. So when he talks about... oops. What God is doing is something to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear. But in holiness and righteousness before him all our days, we have to come back to the original question. Was this a good discipline? (laughs) When I was in seventh grade and my mom cut off my hair, that was an appropriate and fitting discipline. And my response was to dig in my heels. To continue doing what I had been doing. To not respond well to the discipline that was given lovingly and for my good. And it was years later before I finally got all that turned around. But the discipline was there the loving intent was there. My heart just wasn't right. We have been looking all Advent. How do we respond to the promise of God? We see Zechariah was also disciplined. But for him, his heart was right. He received it as discipline, not as arbitrary punishment. He received it as something he didn't have to fear but as part of a loving relationship with a God who wanted good for him. And so the question for us, as we go through um, today, tomorrow, Christmas, and on, how do we respond to the promise of God? How do we respond to the disciplines we endure? Like me? like Pharaoh, like Zechariah. I pray, pray that our hearts would be right, that they would be ready. They wouldn't be afraid. They wouldn't be bitter. They would be soft. That they would be Receptive that they'd be ready for the change that God has in store for us. That they would trust his loving care and his loving discipline. And if you doubt his love for us, pay attention to Christmas again. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.